0: Cars toppled buildings
1: and towns just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave so defensive inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter: if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now <laughs>
0: Episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of Aquaman Shrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co host, the Labyrinthine Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing well, Shag. It is nice to have you back.
0: I am just wanted to give you enough space here. I didn't want to potentially interrupt any thought that you might have <laughs> at some point in the next 24 hours. So I'm just going yeah, to wait my turn.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Like I said, I enjoy having Mike Bailey on the show, but it's awkward because like before and after we record, he's trying to convert me to Scientology and I, it's just, it's very, very strange. So, uh, it's, it, we don't have any of that nonsense here. So uh, again, it's nice to have you back.
0: Well, it's cause we're, you know, we're both Satanists. So yeah, yeah. we're on the same page. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm glad to be back. Actually, I listened to the digest episode. It was very good. Uh, I was really, really impressed. I, it made me, like everyone else, I'm sure, suddenly I went out and I found myself uh, trolling eBay looking for lots of digests. <laughs> and after about 30 minutes down that rabbit hole, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? No, stop. I, no, I don't need to spend this kind of money. So, um, man, those things, just, there's something magical about holding those. Di- I busted out mine. You know, I, I bought one digest off the shelf. Honestly, and it was the last right. one. It was the free, it was a friggin' ambush bug one, because I bought it because it had ambush bug and blue devil, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm like, this is so cool. And I read the you know I read the MoGo story, and I'm loving it. And then I read like the little letters column, like, thanks, no more the these. Yes. you suck, <laughs> I'm like son of a bitch. So, oh well. Anyway, um, in the meantime, why don't you? By the way, you know what you guys forgot to mention, uh, as far as digest goes. Marvel actually has a really, really good Digest program for, like, their Spider-Girl comics and Power Pack and things like that. So if you still want Digest and you want to share with your younger children, Spider-Girl, Power Pack, uh, Runaways, they all had digests.
1: That's right. So. They did. And you know what? A couple of days after the show went up, uh, uh, I think it was Kyle Benning mentioned on the Firestorm Fan that uh, – on Firestorm Fan that DC put out two digests last year of Superman – Superman Collections. I completely did not – I missed those entirely. I had no idea those existed. And so well, they they were – what?
0: They've collected some that's <laughs> yes, me interrupting you. Um, they've collected some of like the Justice League comics in digest
1: form too. Well, they did that a bunch of years ago, but they, these just came out last year. These hmm. Superman ones, they were for DC's 75th anniversary for Superman. I just didn't know they existed and they were on in stock trade. So I went and bought them because it's like, ah. hey, I, 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 they would have been a perfect thing to end the show on. But I just was completely unaware of their existence. I was, I was like, what? So, yeah, I hope they do it this year for Batman's 75th anniversary. What kind of Superman comics were they? I they think they're the animated series. Oh, cool. So, yeah, they were, yeah I went and bought them both. I, and when I get them, I will give a report back to everybody of uh, how cool they are. I'm sure they're awesome.
0: That's really cool. Speaking of in-stock trades and cool things, uh, folks, this episode of the Fire & Water Podcast is sponsored in part by Doc. In- stock Instar Trades is your best online source for trays, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off. That's insane. With free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Keeping with the spirit of um, this week's episode, which is about Aquaman and Firestorm, I am going to talk about Alpha Flight. <laughs> um, I am in, like, I'm, every once in a while, I have, like, little uh, pockets of fandom that just suddenly emerge and take over, and Alpha Flight's kind of that right now. And I don't know why. I, I think it's because I got this cool new Alpha Flight shirt that I'm absolutely loving. So anyway, uh, um, in Star Trader's got some Alpha Flight books we're checking out. One of them, I'm going to actually mention three, so just because I'm, I'm, I'm I roll that way. X Men Alpha Flight Premium Hardcover, uh, 280 pages. This reprints. The first appearance of Guardian in X Men, you know, one hundred and nine. It's got the first appearance of Alpha Flight in 120 121. twenty, one hundred and twenty-one. It's got some other issues in there. It's got the the two X Men Alpha Flight miniseries, the one that from eighty-five, and then one in ninety-eight, which was like a retro, old school story. Anyway, whole bunch of Claremont writing, whole bunch of Burn art. You got some Paul Smith art in there. You got some John Cassidy in there. Really cool stuff. Normally retails because it's a hardcover. Normally retails for thirty-four point ninety-nine. However, you get a forty-five percent off right now for nineteen dollars 20 Twenty-four cents. Pretty sweet deal if you want to see some burn drawing early Alpha Flight. And if you want more of that you can get Alpha Flight Classics, Volume 2 and 3. They don't have Volume 1 out there right now. I don't get that. But anyway, you can get Volumes 2 and 3, which is fine because they totally rock. Volumes 2 and 3 are out there right now. This is going to get you issues um, 9 through 19 of Alpha Flight. And then uh, the next one would get you 20 through 29 of Alpha Flight. Pretty much the two thirds of John Burns run on Alpha Flight, which, if you haven't read it, it's so freaking good. Guardian, and go boom! Shh, spoilers. <laughs> um, anyway, they they run uh, first one runs two hundred ninety six pages. Next one runs two hundred eighty pages. Prices vary a bit. Uh, first one normally goes for twenty nine ninety nine. You can get it for sixteen dollars and forty nine cents. For, it's forty five percent off. Next one goes for twenty four ninety nine. You can get it for thirteen dollars and seventy four cents. You know what the hell? Order all three, and you are looking at a, close to about fifty bucks and something like seven hundred pages of comics of all Alpha Flight. You're going to get free shipping. It is the bomb. Do it. What you got?
1: <laughs> Much like you, uh, I have another non sequitur. I picked the Invaders. Uh, Whoa, that was a really fun book, and uh, it was basically you know it's the All Star Squadron before where Thomas went back over went over to DC. Uh, Like Alpha Flight Volume 1 is not available on it's uptrades. trades I don't know why But there is Volume 2 Which collects Invaders numbers 10 through 21 And annual number 1 Like I said It was written by Roy Thomas The art is mostly By Frank Robbins And that was somebody Who as a kid I couldn't stand And now I love. I look. I'm like stupid kid. His stuff's awesome. (laughs) So the Invaders is like a you know super fun book for anyone who doesn't know. It's basically you know World War II Marvel superheroes. It's Captain America, the Human Torch, uh, Submariner, Spitfire, Union Jack, some other characters fighting Nazis. You can't beat it. Volume two is 240 pages. Cover is by Gil Kane. Normal price is 29.99. In suck trades is 16.49. Total fun of superheroes kicking Nazi butt. Can't beat it.
0: Love Nazis going down. The Ratsies. The Ratsies. ratsies. Yep. Absolutely. So pick both those up, folks, or all those collections there. Um, and our thanks again to uh, In Stock Trades, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, other collected editions, all for up to 45% off. Free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Don't forget that part because that is handy. All right. Folks, it is our review episode of the month, where we're going to cover the current issue of Aquaman, we're also going to cover our companion, Firestorm, classic issue, and then we've got a little surprise wedged in the middle there, too, I think, Rob, right?
1: Right, it's been a big couple of weeks for Aquaman.
0: it's it's not over. It's not over. Not over. right. so... Without much more, um, Aquaman number 29, you want yes. to
1: take it away, Mr. Kelly? Aquaman number 29, the title, the title of the story is Olympian by Jeff Parker, Paul Pelletier, and Sean Parsons. Uh, this will not take long because basically the whole issue is just a big fight uh, <gasps> for the most part. But um, it, it kicks off with Aquaman realizing that someone has stole his trident and he has made it himself for just leaving it lying around the house. Uh, uh, We then uh, catch up with Dr. Evans, which was the guy that was uh, basically uh, shadowing Aquaman the last couple of issues. And we see him just a couple of moments before uh, what happened at the end of the last issue. So we're sort of picking up the story a couple of of minutes earlier. He puts the Trident into the uh, runestone. He opens up this portal and all sorts of horrendous creatures come spilling out. They look like um, stuff you'd see out of like a H.P. Lovecraft book. And they just start tearing into people left and right. Uh, and, and they the head one, her name is, uh, I forget what her name is, Celiana, I believe, um, starts telling Dr. Evans that they are, in fact, not, not Atlanteans, but they are these race of beings that the Atlanteans banished to this parallel dimension and, and kept there for all eternity because they were so nasty. And as all that hor- horrible stuff is going on, Mira has a meeting with the Atlantean Royal Council sitting in for her husband, where she finds out that there is a, a giant algae bloom that was moving around, so much so that it, if it keeps happening, it could destroy all of ocean life. They're at a loss to explain it, but they do mention that all of the plant life on the Earth happened to happened to move together as if controlled or one giant sentient being. So, yes, yeah, we have a little cameo there by another DC character. Anyway, that we cut back. To the uh, fight, the monsters are just eating people and tearing them up. Aquaman then shows up, starts kicking ass. He gets in Evans's face, starts talking about the, you know what the hell were you doing, you know that whole bit. And then Siliana um, reveals that there's the number one being that has been stuck in this dimension that uh, they wanted to get loose, and that being just happens to be Hercules. Uh, Her- Hercules. Hercules, Hercules, and it is the Hercules. We find out that. Hercules himself was banished to this, well, not banished to this dimension, he was basically sacrificed by the Atlanteans, stuck in this dimension so he could help fight all these creatures. And uh, Hercules is mighty pissed. So we have about 10 pages of Aquaman and Hercules going toe-to-toe. The issue ends with Aquaman being hoisted up above Hercules' uh, head and then about to be chucked into the giant fiery lava pit. And that is the end of the issue. Short and sweet. <laughs>
0: That's worth mentioning, now, the Hercules thing is a bit of a mystery throughout the issue. You're kind of wondering who, who he is. The reveal happens on that last page. Right. Now, I know Wonder Woman has been interacting with someone called the Olympian, hasn't she? Or maybe that was pre Fifty Two. i I'm just wondering, it's not the same character, I assume, right? I don't Her- believe so, no. Okay. So, what did you think of this issue?
1: Oh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, pretty much every issue that Parker has done since he has been... One long drag out fight, which is it's fun. It's you know it's a nice kind of break after all the sturm and drang of the previous issues. It's nice to see Aquaman just rip, ripping into stuff and beating people mm-hmm. up. Um, I mean, boy, Parker is really doing his best to to ramp up Aquaman's strength quotient in the DCU. I mean, here he is taking on Hercules, yeah, the Hercules, and he is. I mean, he gets beaten up by Aquaman. He gets beaten up by Hercules by the end of the book, but he nevertheless fights him for a little bit. Yeah, he holds zone. He holds zone yeah. for a little while. I mean, good lord. I mean, even I wouldn't say Aquaman is that strong. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't put him in that league of Superman, and Wonder Woman, and stuff. So the fact that he can even survive a couple of punches between him and Hercules is, is amazing. Um, Speaking of which, when he comes flying
0: in, like all super strength, and punches that giant like pig thing. Mm-hmm. Is is that the, the Mara firing thing where she shoots him off? Like
1: You know we don't see the fa- that
0: the fastball special. Yeah. But he's flying from really far away. Yeah. Like in the the bottom of that one page you see the little tiny Yeah, he's coming. that's why I was thinking maybe it was that thing.
1: I hope it is. I I, <laughs> I hope they keep doing it. Uh I really said this, this is a lot of fun. The whole issue is done by Paul Pelletier and Sean Parsons, which is great. I love the monster designs. Uh, it is, like I said, it is good old-fashioned nightmare fuel, these things. they got one eye, and then there's, like, tentacles with, mu- with, with a mouth on it and all sorts of horrible beasties. And, you know, despite all the violence, and there is a lot of violence, it actually is somewhat subtle, I guess, because, like, you see in silhouette, <laughs> like, the monsters tearing these people Into multiple pieces But it's Mm -hmm. all done in silhouette Which I really enjoy As opposed to seeing the blood And everything else It's uh It's horrible But it's 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 Like I said It's a little subtle So I sort of enjoyed that Uh And you know Like I said It's just It's It really is like Out of the 20 page story It's like 10 pages of it As a fight Yeah And I'm glad to see This Dr. Evans guy Get his comeuppance Because he's 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 your typical You know Jackass Who's like Oh I can just meddle With things I don't understand
0: I do it. love the opening bit with the archaeological dig where, you know, he's got the trident and they put it in. I don't, maybe it's, again, maybe it's just my love of Blue Devil, but just that whole, you know, opening the art, the old ancient, you know, uh, tomb and things come out of it. And, you know, you're using the camera to film. I love that kind of stuff. I just, I love the opening. It's very, you know, not raiders, but there's that sense of uncovering the past and it's still being volatile and dangerous. I like that kind of bit. Now, I, I have one uh Problem with T issue. It's more of a conceptual than really like a nitpick on a on some particular panel or whatever. I love, love that. I love the the tomb. I love the demons. I love the fight. All that. But I just wish they hadn't been uh, a race of creatures imprisoned by the Atlanteans solely because that's what the whole dead king storyline was.
1: Mm, that's true.
0: And it's like it's almost too soon. That again, you know. I don't care why they're aliens behind another dimensional door. Whatever. Fine. I'm cool with that. But the fact that the Atlanians specifically put them in the prison, I'm like, oh, so this isn't going to be a whole big, just everything's Atlanian related from now on, is it?
1: Yeah, that's that, my, no, That's, that's my only nitpick. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. I was, I, as I was writing the review for the Shrine that's going to run on Saturday, it occurred to me that I'm happy that that for right now, Parker is just not doing Black Man or Ocean Master. Uh, you know, like, just give them a break. Give them a yeah. little, you know, get some new villains in there. I mean, that is definitely something Johns is working on, is giving them some new villains. But it tends to be go back to Manta and Ocean Mister, And that's true of almost anybody. I mean, you know, you're, if you write Batman long enough, you're going to write a Joker story. But mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, just, I'm just happy that he's fighting something else. That he's just he's yeah. taking on some other sorts of creatures.
0: Well, I hope like one or two of these kind of hang around. Like that one lizardy chick, the one who kept talking, would be good.
1: Right, the Siliana girl. And yeah. they said we got the, the team-up with Swamp Thing coming soon, which will be – that will be fun. Those are two characters that really should interact more, and they hardly ever have in, in all their years of being around. You know, Swamp Thing's been around 40 years, and he's interacted with Aquaman hardly ever.
0: I hope they hate each other.
1: Why Why would they hate each other?
0: I, I don't know that they should, but it just – rather than buddy-buddy team-up, it's it's kind of nice to see two characters who – Work together, but don't get along.
1: All right, I can see that. I can see that. Not,
0: not, I don't mean I, want, I don't want them necessarily to fight, but I'm just saying I like it when two characters, like Superman and Batman during post crisis, would work together, but they never really got along. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, um, I do love when Swamp Thing shows up in that one panel and you get the, if you've read Swamp Thing 27 and 28, you know what happened. You know, that. Um, as stupid as that is, like some people probably read that and go, oh, I have to go buy another comic. I read that as, like, so fun.
1: Yeah. incorporate yeah.
0: what's happening in the other world or other comics like my, one of my favorite examples and I've probably used this before is I used to read West Coast Avengers when I was a kid when it first came out and there's like a page in one of the issues where the heroes are flying around LA helping people because it's snowing in LA and all they say is to find out why it's snowing read Thor number 262 or something like that <laughs> and it's like I thought that was so cool. <laughs> like, wow, something's happening in another book, and it's actually affecting a different book. That's great. <laughs> so,
1: Yeah, it was fun. It's a lighthearted kind of thing, and I, I did enjoy that. Um, the thing from last issue that I missed, which was like that Evans stole the Trident, which just completely went over my head last month. Yeah. Uh, and part of the reason it, I think it went over my head is because I just couldn't believe it, like retroactively. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so stupid. I can't mm-hmm. – believe Aquaman's leaving it – what does he leave the Trident laying around on the kitchen counter? You know, like with his mail and his Netflix videos? I mean, what the hell? Right. But at least in the very opening page, he's bemoaning how stupid he was to just leave it lying around. So at least Parker thought to give him a kind of like, oh, I can't believe I did – you know, like yeah. he's admitting it is incredibly stupid. Another nice little tag is the very first word of page one yeah. is Aquaman yelling outrageous. Which-
0: it it's even. it's even – hyphenate in such a way to be outrageous. <laughs> yeah. I
1: thought that was like okay, cute. Very, very cute. You know, he, he has been dropping in those Easter eggs uh here and there. And so, you know, he's clearly a student of the character, which is that's a lot of fun.
0: Can I just say Mara looks sexy in that flash dance? She teacher. looks
1: great. Yeah. She looks great. Yeah. The off the shoulder thing. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I kinda... you know, by the way. Yes? Go no you go ahead. I liked how he uh, – I like how he's – Parker has lightened her up a bit too. I mean she used to kind of talk very seriously and regally uh, and I like she's a little more lighthearted here, you know, uh, where, where she shows up at the, the royal meeting and she says, Arthur can't be here and it's an emergency. As his partner, I am authorized to stand in to speak for him. I looked it up and everything. Like I, I like that. <laughs> that's mostly to entertain herself. But I yeah. think that's, that's a lot of fun.
0: It's kind of interesting the way she flies in and has, like, that little cocoon of water around her.
1: Yes. I didn't know exactly what that was. I guess it's like a membrane that they... Oh! Because the, the, room the room is not was, filled with water. The room is air-filled. So I'm guessing it's it's the membrane that keeps the water out.
0: That's exactly what it is. And did you notice the little scientist lady, her costume?
1: It looks a little <laughs> like Tempest.
0: Or, or a, a pink version of, yeah, Aquaman's camo suit, yeah.
1: Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, well, oh, the, which all, all, all comes anyway. from the same right. stem, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I
0: like it. I thought that was nice.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a really fun book right now, <laughs> you know? It <laughs> really is. It's just, it's goofy and ridiculous, and it's kind of what I wanted, you know? I mean, like I said, I thought John's run, as good as it was, kind of got bogged down at the end, and so I like Parker's lighting it up, try, you know, that, that's great.
0: I was describing to somebody the other day because he was talking about how comics have to change and evolve or otherwise they lose the audience or something. <laughs> the pros and cons of doing that. And I used this as an example of saying, you know what? Actually, I love Aquaman right now because it is just a standard Aquaman story. If you were to lift Aquaman out of the Silver Age, he's king of Atlantis, having adventures with Mara, fighting bad guys. You lift Aquaman out of nowadays. Same basic template. I'm fine with that. I don't care that it's you know if they had told the same sort of adventures for forty years, fine as long as they're entertaining, you Mm -hmm. know, and -hmm. it's not a repeat of what it was the month before. Fine with me. So, um, you referenced earlier about how when we went back to the scene with the doctor, how we went back in time and saw him redo what he did last scene, last issue. I don't think it's actually what happened. I think he started the process last time and then stopped it and then called in all the press because Hmm. he talks about he talks about here. Someone says he wanted to show off, and then the demon said, "Ah, he's back! I thought we would be free earlier." And then he says, "Mortals, uh, they need an audience. to have an audience.
1: Oh, yeah, you're. Uh, damn it! I missed another thing. Oh my god, my reading comprehension skills are just deteriorating as I get older. I think you have, I
0: think you have a blind spot for this guy.
1: <laughs> Could be. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I, I enjoy the issue. Very pleased with it. You know, I, again, I had that one nitpick, but that's really just an overall. I hope the plot doesn't. You know, overall isn't going to be that way every month. But uh loved it. really enjoyed it. Looking forward. I'm really excited about the Swamp Thing team up.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that ought to be a lot of fun. That uh, I'm very happy to hear that they're going to do that. And I think it's crossing over both books.
0: Mm, okay.
1: I think it's Aquaman and Swamp Thing. So, yeah. It's I'm, I'm
0: sort of making a general assumption, and maybe I shouldn't be, that this Hercules thing's going to wrap up next month. It's not like a six-issue story. I hope not. I haven't looked in previews, so I don't know.
1: I don't believe so. But, uh, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. I, we don't need another six-month. There's nothing wrong with two-month stories. Nothing wrong with them.
0: Um, oh, wait. No, you have to bring those to me. I'm on a podcast.
1: No,
0: I'll take them. My wife, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, those at home, I am being hand delivered hot piping chocolate chip cookies that just came out of the oven. <laughs> I have the greatest wife ever. So Did you bringing up, bringing up for the rest of us. Uh, sorry, nerds. Uh, they're mine. And I'm not sharing hot dog. You can talk for a while now. Go ahead.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's keep going then. Uh, yes, the other book uh, which came out last week was Batman. It's Batman. And, it's technically Batman and Robin number 29, but for this month it's called Batman and Aquaman number 29. Uh, this story is called The Hunt for Robin, which is part of a larger story. It's by Peter J. Tomasi. Patrick Gleason, returning to Aquaman after 10 years. Uh, and uh, Inker. Ingrid- <sighs> I forgot about that. Yes, Inkers Mick Gray, Mark Irwin, and Norm Ratmund, and uh, probably even more people. Uh, this is part <laughs> of a <laughs> Dallas Kelly cheerleaders gig cap on that whole bit. Um, this is part of a larger story, which is uh, Batman trying to retrieve the body of his dead son. Fun, uh, but it's <laughs> but it's it's an it's a one and done installment, and in that in this instance, uh, Batman is tracking. Uh, he's following Ray Shagul to this island, which is deep, deep, deep in the sea, uh, way out in the way out in the ocean. And while he is, as he's getting close to the island, uh, he is met by Aquaman, who is also in this area because he is he heard um, some telepathic summons from like the death throes of some whales. So he's investigating. Yeah. Yes, thank you. So they decide. So they decide to team up. And, of course, uh, they're met by a bunch of Raish's goons, and they fight their way through that. They make their way to the beach. They fight through even more of these sort of creatures that Raish has been – I forget how – Raish Agul. I keep saying Raish. Has been putting together all these little animen-type guys. We see the the distress signals come from a bunch of dead whales and a really very disturbing page Mm. of all these dead whales with their – Innards ripped out, and it's really. Hey, you're
0: gonna put me off my cookie. Don't do that.
1: Oh, I, oh I'm sorry. Um, it's really quite horrible. But anyway, they make it in, uh, and then they well, they split up. The, the Aquaman takes on the uh, the goon guys. Batman goes into the uh, head the uh, little HQ that he's built on the island to find Rachel Uh Reach six <laughs> a bunch of and animan- no, I keep calling them animan, I don't think they're not technically that, but a bunch of these monster guys on them, and they all have the face of Batman's son, Damien. They're all like, they all have that DNA, which is really pretty horrible. Aquaman comes in and helps out. Uh, he's figured out that because these creatures have like uh, whale DNA in them, he can tell Batling speak to them and order them, and he orders <laughs> them all to go jump into the ocean. And uh <laughs> summons a giant uh sperm whale, I believe, to go eat a bunch of them, which is uh, really fun. Meanwhile, Batman continues to hunt Raish down. Raish steals the body of Damien and his mother. They jump into one of the they jump into a jet and take off Batman thinks nothing of climbing onto the jet and punching his way through the glass, even though they're like two miles straight up. Raish uh dumps Batman off. He's about to go splat onto the ocean when Aquaman jumps up and saves him. Uh, and then Aquaman says, uh, we didn't get to hear Roz scream for what he did with your son and those whales. And then Batman says, don't worry. He will when I catch up to him. Then they split up. And we find out that Ra's is on his way to Paradise Island, which, of course, is Batman's cue to bring in Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, help him out. And that is the next issue, which is going to be presumably Batman and Wonder Woman number 30. Um, This – as much as I liked the Sean Parsons uh, issue of Aquaman, I like this one even more. I thought this was – other than the really dark, grim part with the whole stolen corpses and the dead whales, this reminded me of a Bob Haney story. I mean Bob Haney (laughs) – I mean mean, Bob Haney did this in Brave and the Bold, which was a longer arc story that featured different team-ups throughout the the couple of months. I think it ran like four or five months, this storyline about – an old relative of Batman's or whatever. And there was an issue that involved Aquaman as part of that plot. So Mm. it's like, it's a larger story, but it's also a self-contained story, which I really enjoy. And you know, artwork wise, I, you can't beat Patrick Gleason. I thought Patrick Gleason did a tremendous job on Aquaman back when he was drawing the book. And that, that run was over much too soon. And if anything, I think his work has gotten even better. Um, I think it's a beautiful looking book and there are some treme- tremendous sequences here there's one of that's wordless it's just batman, it's an entire page with no sound effects no dialogue of batman just breaking into races race. i keep it's so hard can know if i'm saying that ghouls uh, hq and just beating up a bunch of goons which is really well done uh, aquaman gets to really show off his muscle uh, it's a, it's a really sharp comic i really thoroughly enjoyed it
0: um Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I agree with you. I love the the uh, idea of a larger story, and each issue is a different team-up. That's pretty cool. I've been sort of from a distance watching it through these months, because this is issue 29. I want to say Damien died in, like, number 18,
1: maybe, or 19. Yeah, a while back, yeah.
0: He's been dead for, like, 10 months now, which is pretty impressive, um, in comic books, especially being Raja Ghul's grandson. I mean, come on. We all knew. It's just, once he dies, it's like, okay, start the resurrection clock. How long is it going to take? <laughs> yeah. So, um, which actually, that's one of my questions in this is, I'm not sure why Batman, obviously Batman wants the body of his son back, but like, he knows Rache has it. So he knows what Rache is going to try and do. So I would be like, yeah, I'm going to wait it out. You know, I'll go and get him once Rache is done because he knows it's going to work. It worked for Jason Todd. You know, why not let him resurrect Damien?
1: But that didn't turn out well though.
0: Worked out better than him being a
1: corpse. Well, no, but he, he's gonna—he's he, afraid that he's gonna come back like like his grandfather. He doesn't want that.
0: Mm, I guess you're not
1: meant to be. come back to life, basically. If you're using—if you're using a vat of chemicals to bring your dead body back to life, that's not a good thing.
0: I agree, but again, in the long run, it did work out for Jason. He's a good guy again, right? Oh,
1: is, I have no idea.
0: I, well, he has his going. own book, oh, Red right? is that, is that Hood with and it? the Outsiders. Oh,
1: was, is that with that? Okay, okay. Or Red
0: Hood and the Outlaws with uh, oh. Arsenal and Starfire.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Okay. It's, yeah. So I
0: don't know. Anyway, um, I am not as big a fan as a Patrick Gleason on this book as you are. I do like Patrick Gleason's stuff. Like, I, for me, I think the place where he excels is not necessarily in people, but in monsters and weird looking things. Like his monsters in here are, are exceptional looking, and his whales and all that are just unbelievable. He's got great panel design too. But I just, like, where I thought he really uh, knocked things out of the park was when he was on Green Lantern Corps, mm-hmm. and he could just draw aliens constantly. I mean, those issues of Green Lantern Corps he did, in fact, with Tomasi, were unbelievably good. They were astonishingly good. So that's where I would prefer to see him. That's my comfort zone for him. However, you know, I will, like I said, I will say there are certain things in this book that look beautiful. That one whole splash page of the whale jumping out of the, the ocean at an angle is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, fun story. Enjoyed it. Um, probably not going to get any more of the Batman stuff. I just don't have a Batman bone left in me. But, uh, yeah, I'm
1: glad I read it. I like the idea of this continued story featuring different characters every month. I actually am tempted to keep getting the book after this, I have to say. I really am sort of like, oh, I'm kind of interested in seeing where this goes. And I love – I said, I, you know, I know you heard what you just said, but I really do love Gleason stuff. I, I agree there's a, there's a coldness to his artwork that uh, I don't think is perfect for everybody. You know, like I don't want to see him draw, you know, Sugar and Spike or Captain Carrot or something. But <laughs> but there is like he would do a great horror comic, you know. I think oh, yeah. He would do oh, yeah. really Absolutely. great. But I like how he draws Aquaman. And um, we're going to be running an interview with Patrick on the Shrine uh, shortly. And one of the things I asked him about is that, like, when he first drew Aquaman back 10 years ago, when he was doing it, when Will Pfeiffer was writing it, he gave Aquaman almost a Spockian kind of visage. Very mm-hmm. pointy face, almost pointy ears, much more alien-looking than he ever had. And he still has it here, but he's dialed it back a little. Mm-hmm. And I sort of like that. But Aquaman's profile, he looks like a shark in some ways. It's its not entirely the way it looks like everybody else's face. And I really like that. I, I kind of like that he's, yeah,
0: yeah. he's
1: kind of got that look to him. Um, That that, that image of the whales is is upsetting to me because I – and this is just a complaint I have about modern comics where it's like so much of it involves like death and and, and a lot of really very intense violence. Like to me, the Aquaman that I knew would not – would continue to hunt after Rache after this. He would not Mm -hmm. let Batman take it on. He would be like, oh, Batman, you handle it. He would be like, I'm going to rip Rache's arms out of his sockets. For what yes. he did to these whales. But plot-wise, they had to get rid of him after this month, so he sort of lets it off. But it's that image of the whales being uh, – not being murdered. I've already had been murdered. It's so upsetting to me that I almost wish I hadn't seen it. And I just – that's just like a, a modern thing where it's just modern superhero comics have to feature that level of violence, I think, because they just feel like the stakes aren't high enough. Uh, that I could have lived without that. But that's just me being an old fuddy-duddy.
0: I'd like to clarify for the – people at home that haven't read this when I was talking about the whale page that was gorgeous I didn't mean this particular page no the other one right you yeah, know there, there's a page of a sperm whale just bursting out of the ocean and it's just beautiful yeah Aquaman uses uh, that
1: one to flatten all the monsters once he's had yeah. them dumped into the sea yeah yeah I know what you're yeah you're yeah
0: to. I just I didn't want people at home thinking I was all hung up on it right. I do like the bit when, when Batman falls And Aquaman catches him and Aquaman says I've got you, Batman goes, obviously
1: <laughs> It's
0: nice I uh, I will say uh, As far as you going on to continue reading this book Peter Tomasi is a really good writer He's very, very good Again, when he was writing Green Lantern Corps It was a great book I had forgotten until you said it earlier That Gleason did draw some of those Will Pfeiffer Aquamans That was the Sub Diego stuff, right? Yeah,
1: and the Aqua fe- featuring the new aqua Girl, Which is like my favorite addition to the Aquaman universe in probably thirty years. I really yeah. I want her to come back she, so bad.
0: She was great. Those Sub Diego issues that Pfeiffer wrote were just brilliant. Absolutely loved them. Never been so. collected. Criminal. Criminal. Huh?
1: Criminal. That kills. Uh, so, so yeah, I thought this was a really good, a really good story and uh, a lot of fun. And like I said, I really am tempted to keep going. I like that Batman has a dog again. That's great. Ace. Or he's not Ace. He's the titus.
0: titus. Titus. Yeah.
1: Uh, I really enjoy that. And one other thing I like. I like that Batman and Aquaman sort of get along. <laughs> I never liked this this trend that it took on where Batman was like the world's greatest dickhead. Where he was just like <laughs> a jerk to everybody. Like they writers assumed that because he was serious that meant he was an, an ass. And he's not. I, I always feel like Batman would be – Batman would do whatever is going to – help his investigation or his case the best. So to me, it's like, if he was involved with somebody that he had to uh, butter up to get what he wanted, he would butter them up. Like to me, he is all about results yeah, and not about being a jerk because that makes him seem tough. So I like that. He's, you know, these two guys are fairly terse. They're not super chummy, but they're not like squabbling. You know, I don't want to see them squabble. Like these, these, these are both very serious guys, serious about their mission. Um, so I like that too. I I I I don't know. I feel like I hadn't seen that Batman in a long time. Of, of Batman, it wasn't just a just a a, a jerk to everybody. So yeah, uh, I,
0: can't, I can't help but think when I see them too in a panel together of the Brave and the Bold.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It really did remind me of a Bob, a less crazy Bob Haney story.
0: Oh, I meant um, I meant the animated series.
1: Oh, the animated series. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I know uh, One last thing I want to mention. I love. Hey, this is just a very Batmanist moment of the when Raish takes off in the in the plane. Batman thinks thinks of nothing but just jumping onto the hood and smashing through the windshield, even though they are several miles in the air. I just love that. Well, I mean, that's Batman. He's like, I don't care. I, I'm sure I'll be fine. I don't. I'll fall off. What's the difference?
0: Well, it's also given that um, Captain America Two is about to come out. It's a little bit of
1: hey, fuck you, Bucky.
0: Look what I can do. So, oh,
1: my oops. goodness. You just
0: I said a bad word. I'm sure sorry. You
1: did. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It was good. Stuff. a good couple of weeks for Aquaman, and it's going to continue next week, but we'll get to that on the next episode of the show. So,
0: dun, 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 dun,
1: dun. so I guess we're going to take a break, right? And mm-hmm. uh, when we come back, we will talk about Furrier Firestorm, C-L-A-S-S-I-C. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> You know, like I said, I, on this show so far, I've been compared to that annoying Plastic Man clip. I've been compared to Yoda and Kyle Gass, so there's uh, there's there's no there's nothing else you can do to me that's going to make me feel any worse. So uh, enjoy, come back from the break, and we'll talk about Firestorm.
0: Yeah, 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 play it. Come on. Play it loud. Play it loud. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy... The Two True Freaks, Internet Radio
1: Broadcast. Illogic, foolish emotions, a constant irritant.
0: And you can out, freak! Two!
1: Along the circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. True!
0: I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Oh. And I'm all out of bubblegum.
1: Oh, oh. It's
0: a super prize package worth. $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it!
1: Go baby! And now... Together by Live Simulation via the Internet, your hosts... Scott Gardner... He killed a police officer for Christ's sake! And lucky he didn't kill her. And Chris Honeywell... Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid... You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. So you're looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, she, she likes me. Ain't? No way. Shut up, you freak! you to I say shut up! It's a man home! A man home! To The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance.
0: Conditions are right tonight. Let's go.
1: They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up.
0: Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive.
1: I feel so strange. You're spinning away. I can't see you at
0: all anymore. Look what happened to you. You are
1: changing. Oh Reed, not you too. What
0: happened to me? To all of us?
1: I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon the more man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And now mankind shall feel that
0: minds. The Fantastic 4 Little You're they debate dream. They're the palms in
1: the hands. Oh, doctor, The Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You next can't change the way I can. most exactly, powerful person on Earth. I've been expecting you, for I am a thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Earth is no more, and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Robotons, King of Kings, Master of Men. Lord in the seven suns. Four, you're just a muscular freak,
0: blind or hawk. Stop! You must not end on the task of Diablo. My, My journey dreams. has ended, and this planet shall sustain has been drained of all elemental life. So, be Galactus!
1: Flame on! It's clamoring time! The Fantastic Four, from the very beginning, witnessed the origins of a legend. The fantastic cast Com.
0: All right. Enough of this water business. Time for some fire, baby. We are covering the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, number nine. Classic. Come on, you can say
1: it. I'm just, I'm laughing at the idea that you're sick of water and then this cover is full of
0: water. Oh, there's some irony here. Okay, so the cover is a Pat Broderick, Dick Giordano jam, and uh, the, the tagline above the logo says Typhoon, the Living Storm versus the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. And, and on the cover, it, Rain is flooding down in, into Manhattan. It looks like it's probably Times Square, and Firestorm is standing there, looks very defeated. He's, he, he's sort of slumped, his head is down, the wind and rain... Actually, blowing his hair down and in front of him, there's a tagline here it says "The baby, the rain must fall," and there's signs in the background. But it, the the cover by itself tells a story. Like, I think this is one of the more powerful covers that they've done. In that you see here, Firestorm has lost. Manhattan is flooded, and he feels like he's 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 sort of giving up. And it's just a really powerful cover. I've always really, really like this one. In fact, I featured it in Firestorm Fan recently because we had a bunch of rain. And um, I couldn't help but think about this this amazing, amazing cover.
1: I'm intrigued by the Patsy Cola sign. And me,
0: the Sanyo, Seyo say, say sign in the background. That looks like a stop sign, but it just says Seyo.
1: Say I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what, what's going on here. I think that building that is to Firestorm's, uh, well, to his right, it's yes. supposed to be, I think, the Flatiron building? because that's how the flat iron building looks in New York, which is not in Times Square and also doesn't feature signs like that. But I, I don't know. Well, I thought it was
0: – you know, th- there's that one angle you look at Times Square on New Year's Eve where they've got those giant – usually it's like a Sony or Columbia yeah. sign or whoever owns that. Because you see there's the, there's the ticker tape right, going along right, the right. PCC. So that's why I was thinking it was Times Square, that ticker tape thing that runs the – the stock exchange. I, yeah, I
1: think you're right because the yeah the Flatiron Building does not have a ticker tape or anything like that. So exactly. you're probably right. Yeah.
0: And Times Square was a lot different back in 1982.
1: So. Yeah, a lot more porn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. This does have a cover date of February 1983, but you know when you get in your DeLorean, don't set it for '83, folks. You're, it's a trick. You need to set it for November 4th, 1982. That's when this sucker hit the stands. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics for uh, sharing that date. What's so funny?
1: (laughs) Won't you feel like a fool having gone back in time only to discover you can't get the issue of Firestorm you were hoping for? Exactly. You'd be like, damn it. You'd have to pick up a hyena issue. So
0: you'd be like, ugh.
1: What a stupid use of this technology. Why did I bother? And then you go back to your normal time and smash the machine.
0: I know. By the way, I specifically said Delorean instead of Wayback Machine because Peabody's out in the theaters right now, so you know, or maybe it's on, maybe it's on Netflix already. I don't know. Whatever. I don't keep up with it. So, all right. Inside: Jerry Conway, writer/editor; Jerome Moore, back as guest penciler of this issue; Roden Rodriguez, inker/slash embellisher; Adam Kubert as letterer. As you always say every month, whatever happened to that guy? Tom Zuc- Zuc- Zucchio. I don't even know how to say that. Colorist, and created by Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. Ding! Um, I've asked you this before, and it's been a while, so I'm going to ask you again, because I really, I don't listen to what you say. Inker, embellisher. Help me out here.
1: Um, okay. I mean, it's, it's embellisher, I think, is a term to suggest that the inker is doing a little more of the drawing uh, than just an inker would be. Um, I think it's, okay. it's, it's, I don't know if there's any sort of more money involved, whether it's like like a, a technical term, like we have to call him that. I think it's more of a gesture of respect and acknowledgement that, Roden, in this case, Rodan Rodriguez is doing a little more of the lifting than your typical anchor would be doing.
0: Okay, and that makes sense. What, what we talked about last episode was Jerome Moore, also known as Jerome K. Moore, later. Uh, this is actually his second full-length comic he's ever drawn, right here. The, the, the first full-length comic was last issue. This is his second one. He's only 18 years old at this point. He's a kid, and it's quite possible that you know, the deadlines kind of snuck up on him, and so he wasn't able to pull the pencils together as tight as he had the last time. So maybe that, that's what it was. Wasn't
1: He didn't wrote Rodriguez and didn't get the same credit last month? Mm. I don't
0: remember. Okay. I'd have to go back and look. I, I don't know.
1: I, I thought that he did, but even if he didn't, I would bet that that was planned from the beginning. Uh, yeah. That Jerome Moore was like, let you know. He, he, as you said, he was eighteen, which is staggering to me. I think about what my assignments looked like at the Cubert School when I was eighteen, and here's this guy drawing a comic book that's going to be printed. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would bet that that, that that was the plan all along was to give to give Roden a little more. Uh, you know, a little more for him to do to, to help smooth out. First of all, you know, visually, make it look like the book had looked, uh, and also just to give you know Jerome a little more of a—he was inexperienced. Give him a little more of a break.
0: Yeah, and we talked about the last time how on model everyone was, right. and they continue through this issue for the most part being very on model, and we kind of think that's probably Rodin pulling some of that definitely. Um, if you look, you know the. This is a. It's a twenty-three page story. It's got ten different distinct scenes. Ten scenes. Akuma had what? Two.
1: <laughs> Comics um, are very different nowadays. Yeah.
0: If you look at this story at sort of a ten thousand foot level, last issue was really about David Drake and Typhoon. This issue, this is really Ronnie's story. This issue, it, it's it's a story of a young man who feels pushed around by his mentor and his peers, and he's standing. He decides it's time to stand up for himself. But by the end. He learns that there's some fights that you can, that, I'm sorry, there's some situations you don't always have to fight. There's other solutions in fighting sometimes. That's kind of what this story's about. Um, jumping into it, you know, the first page is a splash page of Firestorm sinking to the bottom of New York Bay, which I didn't even know there was such a thing as New York Bay, but He's sinking to the bottom of New York Bay. Professor Stein essentially has had enough of Ronnie's shit and is laying into him.
1: You've got the potty saying, mouth today.
0: I, I am. I am the potty mouth. I'm so sorry. It's the cookies. It's got me worked up. Um, he's yelling at Ronnie, basically saying, I, I, but I, he's, honestly, I'm getting tired of this. Will you please pull yourselves your, your, together? Because Ronnie's a, pretty much unconscious, really. And he's sinking to the bottom of the bay, and Professor Stein's worried about them drowning. Uh, um, so... Well, Firestorm spends some time on the bottom of the bay, kind of pulling his wits together and having a conversation with Professor Stein before he realizes he's uh, suffocating and drowning. Typhoon is up above, trashing Manhattan and searching for Ronnie. I'm not not Ronnie, sorry. Searching for Professor Stein. Eventually, uh, Ronnie and Ronnie and the professor have some arguments. In fact, uh, the professor is really hard on Ronnie. They they come up. I'm sorry. They come up above the surface. They rush to Concordance, which is the research center where Professor Stein works. Ronnie creates a giant umbrella to block some of the rain because Manhattan is literally flooding. It's, there's so much rain coming down. So he tries to take some of the brunt off of Concordance because it's really taken a beating. Then he tries to evaporate a bunch of the water. Unfortunately, it creates a whole bunch of steam, which creates more difficulties. Cars are crashing into each other because they can't see because of the steam. That's when the professor lays into Ronnie. I'm sorry about that. It's this, so twice in... Four Six pages, Professor's just chewing Ronnie out. Ronnie's had enough at this point, loses it, uh, and just expends a ton of energy. And I don't know quite how that works, but apparently that dissipates storms. Who knew? You know. So this big explosive moment uh, puts out a bunch of energy. He, he doesn't care anymore. He says, I'll stop the rain if it kills me. So in doing this, it causes him and Ronnie to split. I'm Sorry, Firestorm to split, and Ronnie, the Professor, uh, laying on top of the building, they have a conversation. The professor apologizes for being so hard on Ronnie because here's something that we, we don't hear a lot. When Ronnie and Professor are formed as firestorm, and you hear, see Professor Stein's head talking to him, that's not actually Professor Stein's consciousness. It's Professor Stein's subconsciousness talking to him. And apparently, all the pressure that's been on Stein at his job recently, the potentially losing his job, has put him on an edge, and his subconscious sort of took it out on Ronnie. So the conscious Professor Stein is apologizing for that. It's a little weird. They don't deal with it a lot. Hmm. they two different versions of Professor Stein, but it does come into play here. I think
1: here. I missed that entirely when I read this issue.
0: Yeah, and then they had an artifact that they stole from Aquaman. Oh, uh, no, no, that's... <laughs> so, right, uh, all right, all right. What's that?
1: All right, all right.
0: <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, for now, the storm has dissipated. Ronnie and Professor go their separate ways, go back to their normal lives. Ronnie goes back to school. He has it out with Cliff Claven. Last issue, you may or may not recall, they had a big argument, and they're gonna, they've are going to. agreed to have a fist fight at the end of the day. So there's, some, you know, there's a scene where they're reminding the reader of that and building up to it. Professor Stein is at his job. And he has to deal with his boss, who's a real jerk. His name is Quentin Quayle, which is lovely alliteration with his name. You know, you don't expect to see alliterated cues. Well done, uh, Jerry Conway. And Quentin basically comes in and says, "We're, you know, your job's been in jeopardy. You know that. We were looking at you over your contract. We're not renewing it." He rips the contract in half and tells Professor Stein that Stein is now on a month of working there on a month-to-month basis until January. And it's a little unclear. Uh, whether he's going to get fired in January or they're going to look at it again. But either way, Stein's on the outs. And he's very upset that he's talking to his buddy, Harry Carew, Carew, who is not really somebody Stein should trust, but does, unfortunately. We know more about Harry than Stein does. Anyway, Stein has a moment of weakness, and he says, I've got nowhere else to go, nowhere, and in his drawer is a bottle of scotch. And if you know your history, Professor Stein, he battled alcoholism in the earlier uh, early appearances of firestorm. So now he's, he's dry. He hasn't had any alcohol. So there's a concern there that he might fall off the wagon. Then we see David Drake sort of watching his children from afar. He misses them. David Drake is secretly typhoon. He's sort of in a... He's blue, so he has to sort of disguise his appearance. He's watching his kids from his distance. He ends up interacting with them a bit, not of his own doing. They bump into him. He meets the stepfather. Now, here's one thing. Okay, I'm, I'm, digressing. I'm doing the recap right now. But didn't he get a letter from his wife j- just last month that said she wanted a divorce?
1: Yeah, I thought so.
0: And now there's a stepfather already? That's <laughs> pretty fast. So. And I would like to say, by the way, on behalf of Stepfathers of America, I really appreciate this scene where Jerry Conway did not make the stepfather the bad guy because we always are and people always hate us because we're – you know, raising their kids now or whatever. None of that happens in this comic. He doesn't take it out on the stepfather at all. He's sad that he doesn't that, that Typhoon can't be with his kids anymore, but he doesn't blame the stepfather. So thank you for that. Stepfathers of America salutes you. So anyway, um, he has a moment on a bridge where he's just thinking, and the cops think he's going to be, be a jumper. So he sort of gets frustrated and attacks, and now suddenly Typhoon has gone from being all emo to he's now on the attack. So Ronnie and Cliff have their fist fight. Uh, Cliff gets the best, uh, gets the better of Ronnie, and Ronnie gets slugged a couple times, and really is out of swords. And Cliff's all happy he, he beat up Ronnie, thinking that he's going to win the hand of Doreen now. But in fact, Doreen swoons over Ronnie because Ronnie is like the wounded duck, I guess. Like, oh poor Ronnie. I uh, I don't know. Like, part of me feels bad, like for Doreen in this situation. Not, I don't know. I'm still mad at Doreen. I'm just going to leave it at that. I think Sh- should I feel. Good for her, right, at this point? I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. I like her in this one.
0: Okay, I mean, she does come to help Ronnie. Yeah. But remember, she's also the one who was, like, screaming at him,
1: don't have a fight. If you have a fight, I'm breaking up with you. Well, that's, yeah, that's
0: true. So I'm I'm having a hard time. I guess I guess the best thing I can say about it is she does take care of Ronnie after he's injured, and she doesn't do anything terrible in this issue. There we go. So she comes out sort of neutral this time. Um, anyway, so when, when Ronnie loses the fight and Doreen's taking care of him, he, he sort of snaps out of it and realizes how stupid it was to be fighting Cliff. And That's, that's an important point. It, it is, they don't hit you over the head with it, but it's an important point throughout the rest of the story. So, we'll cut back to Stein. He is in a bar getting pissed drunk. Not good for him. He's falling off the wagon. He's drinking himself and you know, he's climbing to the bottom of a bottle realizes that Typhoon has now shown up and he decides he needs to transform into Firestorm. They come together. Firestorm is now woozy because half of him is drunk, or his subconscious, I guess, is drunk. And he's sort of flying a little bit erratically. Um, Typhoon is flooding Manhattan more and more. The water is rising. Every, you, you see, this is Times Square here because there's the big Coca-Cola board right there. And uh, everyone is, they're up to almost their waist in water. And there's a, there's a really impressive page of well, there's a page that attempts to be impressive. Maybe that's the <laughs> Of it's got it's a full page splash. Typhoon is enormous, and essentially, what has happened here is Typhoon has been overcome with emotions, and he has been consumed by the storm. And at the same time, the storm is consumed by him. It, they become one, and he's a massive like superstorm at this point, and it, it's very primal. And there's the writing is very nice. The imagery is probably supposed to be powerful. It didn't quite come off that way. But Firestorm essentially basically decides he's lost one fight today. He's not going to lose another. He doesn't care at this point. If stopping Typhoon kills him, he's just going to do it. He flies at Typhoon, who's enormous. There's another huge exp- expend- uh, expenditure yeah, I guess, so. of energy, and Typhoon is poof, gone. Again, apparently you expend a bunch of energy, and that's the end of Typhoon. Um, Firestorm sort of... Lands, he comes to his senses, and um, then you switch back to Ronnie, who, at the, who is running in to join the basketball team. He, he got kicked off the team several issues ago. He's been allowed back on the team, and he runs in to play the, the, the game at the last moment. He's a, the coach is about to just not count on Ronnie anymore, but Ronnie shows up at the last second and kind of has a, This is where that fight stuff comes back around where he basically says, you know, being on the right side of a fight is a heck of a lot harder than I thought. And he runs off to go play basketball with uh, with his friend Jefferson, and it's sort of an upbeat moment that the issue ends on. So, there you go. That's a long. That's a recap. A um, couple different things. Oh, what did you think of the issue?
1: Um, I liked it. I didn't. I didn't like it as much as the other ones to this point. Yeah. Um, I do feel as though that uh, I liked Jerome Kim Moore's work in the last issue. I, I thought it was a little bit less here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pointed that that a couple of times. I really did like the the panel of them exploding where he explodes into typhoon on page twenty with mm-hmm. no no sound effects or no word yeah. balloons, just the explosion. I think that's very powerful. Um, that's pretty unusual that you know they didn't think to cover with a you know boom you know or, or whatever so that i I liked quite a bit, and I liked the full not the full page, but the it was like page what is it page seven where he blows up sort of blows up the storm. You know, mm-hmm. he says, I'll stop the rain if it kills me. That's a really powerful moment. I think that's sort of taps into the overwhelming power that Firestorm has. But then that one page you mentioned with Typhoon as the giant creature, that didn't really work.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's like they were trying to make it work, and it didn't. I'll tell you one thing it made me realize, though, is Firestorm, when he was an elemental, a fire elemental years later, he totally should have fought Typhoon. It would have been great. But I did – you know, you mentioned power. I forgot to mention there is a bit in here – where Professor Stein is sort of questioning where Firestorm was able to pull all this energy to blow Typhoon apart. Where did all that power come from? And that's something they were building on last issue too. Where does Firestorm's power come from? Uh, um, so there's a question hovering there. Where is it? Where, how can he? Where's he pulling all this stuff from? So, uh, um, but the very first page is very weird artistically. Um, like Professor Stein is done in. Without lines, I forgot what you call that, where they do it with no lines.
1: They do uh, um, color hold.
0: Yeah, they do it in color hold, but it just looks weird. Like, Stein doesn't look anything like he does throughout the rest of the issue.
1: This, that that opening splash page, no pun intended, doesn't look like it was inked by Rowan Rodriguez to me. It looks like it's a completely different inker. It's more, it's smoother. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing it is because there's nobody else credited, but it, it, to me, this front page looks different than the rest of the book.
0: Yeah. I I don't like the way Stein looked. It really just, just, you know, because you just flip the page and Stein looks completely different. Right. Completely different. So uh, it just doesn't sit well with me. But um, I I think you you summed it up when you said, you know, the art is fine. It's just not great in this issue. So, yeah. Uh, I don't think this issue was a miss. I I just, you know, because it was the issue, you know, a total misstep. No, I don't think so. It just, it didn't hold up as well as the previous ones, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's about to happen. I mean, there are nine issues in.
1: So. Yeah, and so far they've been remarkably consistent. Uh, I did enjoy the moment where Typhoon runs into his son. And, like, mm-hmm. he, you can see he's got blue, a blue face and blue hands. Yeah. And, like, nobody seems to react to that. They just yeah. they just keep talking to him. And it's like, I don't care how much you pull your hat down over your face and pull your, your coat up. People can still see that you have a giant blue face and blue hands. Right. I think somebody yeah. might say... What the hell is with that guy? But, no, they just talk to him normal. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, he's just a blue guy, I guess.
0: <laughs> he's in the blue man group. Yeah, he's in he's the blue self- man group, right,
1: exactly. Just got off work.
0: <laughs> I like on the bottom of page – or on page three when he's when, – first from sitting under New York Bay – there's like a car under the water next and to him. A refrigerator. A refrigerator. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Indiana Jones is in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and then later on, a couple of pages later, Ronnie creates a giant umbrella to protect Concordance. All I could think of was issue four, when Ronnie created that giant steel wall to stop the Justice League, and it just fell to the ground because there's nothing holding it up. Same thing here. He creates a giant umbrella. There's nothing
1: holding the umbrella up. It should just fall to the ground. <laughs> Ronnie's killed numerous New Yorkers with all his falling constructs. Just Exactly, exactly. Get your crap together, Ronnie. I
0: tell you. I tell you. Um, There was was a couple different things. Let's see. Um, I really liked also on page 10 when Professor Stein – it's it's very upsetting when he's sort of getting fired or at least he's on probation, however you want to look at it. And they show the drawer with the booze and there's like one panel where you see it and there's another panel – where it zooms in on it when he's saying I have no, nowhere else to go no, nowhere and they zoom in closer and it just it reinforces it I thought artistically that was nice and uh, it was very just like oh no don't do it don't do it Martin and sure enough you know obviously he does so
1: I wonder if he goes to the same AA meetings that uh, Tony Stark went to
0: um it was around that same time too yeah I
1: don't think they're running the same
0: circles those guys okay. I'm just saying they're both scientists but I don't think Tony would give Professor Stein the time of day. so because Tony's a dick uh, i i like in the fistfight pages one thing that they did really nicely and this would be um this would be more who did this is it gets progressively windier as you look at those pages people's hair slow, start moving slowly and then there's more and then there's leaves and then their clothes are moving oh, I, didn't notice, st- I didn't notice that yeah because the storm's rolling
1: in right it's oh, it
0: really well done very subtle i thought that was nice so.
1: Yeah, that's good. I yeah, I completely missed that.
0: Yep. And then the flooding of New York, the flooding of Times Square is just kind of like scary. Now you guys lived through this um, a couple of years ago. I, uh, what was the name of that one storm? Hurricane oh. Sandy. Sandy, that was it. Yeah, I mean you guys lived through it, so I mean you can you'd probably relate to it a little better than me. But just it. It's frightening, Being, having gone to Times Square, seeing this and thinking, oh my god, what would that be like?
1: It is weird seeing parts of, you know, what you would consider sort of modern society draped in two, two feet of water. That is really pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty intense.
0: And um, they did some really – and you know, just final thing, there's a lot of great segments with rain. It's as stupid as it sounds. Putting lines on every single panel representing rain, and having to figure out which line should go in front of a face and which should go behind a face, and not distract too much, it, it, there's there's a skill to that. Deciding which pieces to do, and, it, and I think they did a very nice job.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of extra work to do. There's no doubt about. It. I mean, yep. some of the pain, some of the the background, like Broadrick in these previous issues, were, was really background intensive, and not that mm-hmm. not that filling your panels with a background is equals good and not having it equals bad. But he was really quite good at that, of, of, of really putting these people in a real world. And in some of these panels in this issue, Drew him more kind of – leaves it empty a little and it looks a little obvious. I mean there's there's this, this scene again where the typhoon is talking to his child and like there's no houses in the background or anything in the background. And you're like, where do they live? It's like at the edge of the universe? Like what's going on? <laughs> but then conversely like on page 18 – which we maybe will post on the Tumblr, like, is full of detail of, of the from dealing with the wind and all the people running in Times Square. And so, you know, it, it, it's... It wasn't like you... I wasn't uh, thinking he was, like, cheesing it out or anything like that. It's just some pages are just more intense than others.
0: Yeah, well, it may have been what Roden had time to do, too. I'm not sure. Could so. be. Could be. Well, overall, I, I like how Conway continues to do... Like, each issue has a theme. Like, this one, again, was runny, you know... Fighting and then figuring out by the end that fighting probably not – doesn't solve everything or, or it's hard to make the right decisions when you're in a battle sort of thing. So I, I like that theme. I, I like that Conway's continuing to do that. We, we've said some critical things about Jerome, Jerome K. Moore's art in this. But again, to come back to the fact that an 18-year-old <sighs> second full-length comic he ever drew – It's amazing. For, for something that was getting – I think we heard it was like what, 90,000 circulation or something like that back then. You know what? Great job. Great job to yeah. him
1: and he got really. better as as we know, he got much oh, yeah. much better, so yeah you know, yeah i am i'm'm I'm, like I said, I think about the work that I was doing at the Cubert school when I was eighteen uh, I'm just you know it's stunning it's stunning to think somebody would be that confident in their abilities at eighteen to be like, yeah, I'm going to be doing the drawing of a uh, published comic book in the d c universe it's absolutely mm-hmm. terrifying It'd be terrifying to me now, let alone when I was eighteen. <laughs>
0: Uh, fun to notice that this, this issue is just chock-a-block full of ads for home video game systems. Lots of Atari, lots of Parker Brothers uh, home video game systems. Funny. There's a reference in one of O'Neill's columns about in, in 1983, we're going to see a series called History of the DC Universe. Ooh. And Peter Sanderson's busy doing his research.
1: <laughs>
0: so I thought that was really cool. And then, think, uh, Right now you
1: can hear him saying, let's take Prez out.
0: <laughs> uh, and then you've got um, the next issue says is Return of Pat Broderick and uh, The Secret of Professor Stein and it's got the hyena. So we're going to get the hyena back. I don't Have you ever read any stories with hyena? I guess you've read some of the old Firestorms. Haven't yeah,
1: you? the old ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So last time we saw hyena, we discovered that the hyena was secretly Doreen Day's sister. Summer Day. Dun, dun. dun, dun. So now we'll have to find out what's going on with her. Last we heard, she was been captured. So who knows what happened there? Mm -hmm. So come back in a month and find out, folks. Now, uh, sadly, none of these Firestorms have been collected. If you want them, you can pick them up fairly cheaply on eBay or through online retailers like Mile High Comics. So I highly recommend you go out and pick up these issues cheaply. Um, Join in the fun. Follow along as
1: we go. When you're out buying Digests again... Pick
0: up some Firestorms as well. Exactly. It's on Firestorm Digest. Firestorm appeared in one issue of the best of best Ribbon, whatever it is. Yeah, Digest. And actually it was issue number seven we covered a couple months ago with Plastique. Oh,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah
0: all full circle, man. It's all full circle. Alright, folks. Well, in the meantime, until we come back next month and talk more about Firestorm, please drop us a line. Uh, Rob, what's our email address?
1: Firewaterpodcast at net.
0: you think I'd know that by now. It just Really, I, I'm just trying to give Rob something to do on the show. I mean, he, he's janitorial. Uh, he's in charge of office supplies and really not much else. So, I gotta have him do social media and
1: stuff like that, uh, and we will post as Rob said some of these pages on our Tumblr. Rob, fire you know. oh, and I'm in charge of social media, but I'm ignoring Google Plus. Good job. He's, he's doing such
0: a good job. We're so we're so proud of
1: him. You know, he's
0: he's such a he's such a good egg. Anyway, uh, you can find Rob over at AquamanShrine.net. You can find him on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find me at Firestormfan.com. You can also find me under the same handle at Facebook. Twitter, Tumblr, Google, and Instagram. And um, until next time, folks, I guess that's it. So fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Bye. Truth and justice in sea, on land, and there.
1: Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Break, America. Okay! Is it time to bake an Essie Toll House cookie? Break so warm and rich and chewy chocolate's heaven to me. America's favorite cookie break. Toll House cookies. Warm, fresh, and oozing with chocolate. You can only bake them with Nestle Toll House morsels in the original recipe. Isn't it time to bake the only cookie that makes? I'm busy. America's favorite cookie break.